Hello, everybody. Welcome to No Filler with Joe Miller on KCOU Sports FM 88.1. I am your host, Joe Miller. Today is November 6, 2020. This year is flying by, folks. We're almost halfway through the offseason, as we'll discuss later in this program. Got a great show planned. We're going to talk everything NBA. Lots of news this week around the league about the start of this next season and other trade rumors and such we'll get to later. Hope everyone is well rested today. I certainly am not. I've been staying up every night <laughs> refreshing the news to see if I can figure out who the president's going to be. So <laughs> since Tuesday, that's been my state of affairs. I've just been staying up till around 2 a.m., clicking a refresh on NBC News and stuff like that to see if I can figure things out. But seems like the only thing I have figured out is that doing that will screw up your sleep schedule for the rest of the week. So <laughs> public service announcement would not recommend doing that. So getting into the NBA, we have one big piece of breaking news. So if you've been following this program. We've been teasing out the schedule for the rest of the league, and I've been telling my audience here that it's right around the corner. Two weeks ago, I said last week we'd get all the answers. Well, folks, yesterday was the day. The schedule has been agreed to. Players Association and the league office have come together. The NBA will be back in just a little over a month. December 22nd will be opening night. It'll be a 72-game season. Still going to get more details as far as if All-Star Weekend is going to happen. We'll get more specific schedules. As of right now, it's just the template, but it's coming soon. Basketball is almost back. It's crazy. I mean... October 11th was the last game we saw, and going to see one <laughs> a little over two months after that. It's going to be a fast turnaround. So that brings us to the main question with this season, and it's how is this different season going to affect all of the teams? So I've narrowed this down to two major factors. So the first one is there's going to be several teams that are not getting much of an offseason. So Several teams like the Chicago Bulls or teams that didn't make it to the bubble like that, not disrespecting the Chicago Bulls specifically, like the Hornets, the Knicks, all the other teams that didn't make the bubble, they haven't played basketball in like eight or nine months. So those teams are going to come in pretty well rested. Teams like the Lakers and the Heat, they played October 11th. <laughs> so they've... They're about to get, I think, around 54 days of rest before the next season starts. So I hope they're enjoying it. I hope they're <laughs> resting up as well as they can before this next season starts because that is going to be a quick turnaround. So in regards to that, I think that we're going to see, obviously, like throughout the NBA season normally, when it is 82 games, we see guys rest. Like LeBron has done that before where he'll play around 72, 73 of the 82 games, which... I can't really blame him for. He's played, I think, the third most minutes in NBA history. So if he needs to <laughs> keep his body going, especially going into year 18, would not be blaming him. But I would not be surprised if we see some of those teams who made deep playoff runs to potentially rest players throughout this season, even though it's less games, just because even Denver, they were playing early October. So, I mean, some of these teams need just a little bit of rest, especially if they want to make a postseason run again. Like, I'm sure the Lakers, the Heat, the Nuggets, and the Celtics will because they were playing pretty recently. The one advantage I do see teams like the Lakers and the Heat having is, as a whole, their teams will not be changing much this offseason. So the Lakers, the two main pieces they have, 
that are free agents are Dwight Howard and Markeith Morris. No disrespect to either of those players, but Dwight Howard will be semi-replaceable on the market. There's other guys like Tristan Thompson out there who LeBron's played with before. Markeith Morris was a big factor for the Lakers, but again, he was sort of like the eighth, ninth guy. So the Lakers are going to have <laughs> a lot of their core with plus Avery Bradley. They're getting Avery Bradley back next year. So Lakers are going to be running back their same team as last year. So in a season with a quick turnaround, because I'm going to get to this in my second point, but it's going to be about 54 games or 54 days rather before the Lakers will suit up on December 22nd. So when that happens, there's going to be OTAs. There's going to be free agency right before that. Teams that don't have their roster set are going to have problems doing that because once they get new guys, free agents or rookies, there's not going to be summer league. There's not going to be preseason. And <laughs> I know a lot of people don't love preseason NBA games, but they do help in terms of establishing chemistry and just getting rotations down. So if there is no preseason, like is planned right now, a lot of these teams are going to struggle, especially if they're adding in major factors like, like for example, the Warriors with the number two pick. If they add a guy like Anthony Edwards, for example, they're going to be adding someone who hasn't played basketball in nine months in addition to... <laughs> Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, who've had injury issues recently, so they haven't played a lot together. I'm sure they'll resolve that. But with this season upcoming, I do not be surprised at all to see teams that brand new assembled with free agency, with draft picks to struggle a little bit because it's not going to be a lot of time to establish chemistry. <laughs> like, I think there's there, like some people are spinning this as either good for the Lakers or bad for other teams that are trying to build championship teams. But as a whole, right now, it's difficult to say. We'll just have to watch how the season plays out. So <laughs> the other main piece of information we know is this season is going to feature baseball-like series between teams, meaning that to restrict travel because of coronavirus, teams are going to travel to other cities and try to play as many games there as possible, like maybe two or three. So we don't, this is unprecedented in the NBA, so we don't know how this is going to work out, but it's likely we're going to see teams like the Raptors or Miami do really well with this. The reason I say that is both of those teams make all of the adjustments in the world. We saw this in the postseason. <laughs> Toronto runs like, three or four different defensive schemes and they flip to whichever one is working the best and whichever one matches up well. So <laughs> when you're playing the same team three times in a row, that might hurt teams like Houston who have one strategy that's very different from other teams in the league. But if you have a team like Miami who can play multiple styles and can adjust on a moment's notice, it's probably going to help those teams. So We'll see how that goes. We're going to get more details, but it's going to be an interesting NBA season for sure. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will discuss the Giannis Supermax contract situation. Stay tuned. I'm your host, Joe Miller, and you are listening to KCOU Sports 88.1 FM. 
Hello, everybody. We are back. Joe Miller here. You are listening to No Filler with Joe Miller. So when people discuss who the best player in the NBA is right now, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who does not have Giannis Antetokounmpo in their top three or top two. Giannis has just won his second MVP award back-to-back. He won the Defensive Player of the Year award as well last year. This made him the only player in NBA history, aside from Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon, to win both awards in the same season. So when you get that type of player in a city like Milwaukee, who, let's just say, is not a free agency draw for a lot of other talent, that city and that team needs to take advantage of this moment. So Giannis, this is his last year under contract, and he has a big decision awaiting him. There's rumors that have circulated recently that the Bucks are confident Antetokounmpo will resign with them once the season starts, and he'll be doing so with the five-year Supermax contract that the Players Union agreed to, I believe, two years ago. So the question I'm going to pose is, why would Giannis want to do this? So Giannis is going to make a boatload of money next season, I would say basically unconditionally. Even if he gets hurt, someone is still going to throw him a max deal. Kevin Durant tore his Achilles in the finals in 2019, and the Brooklyn Nets still paid him a max $160 million deal for him to go there. So even if Giannis has some type of catastrophic injury, this guy is going to make, I'd say, floor $140 million in the offseason. The Bucks, of course, though, can offer him much more. So the most the Milwaukee Bucks can offer him is $250 million over five years. And the most any other team could offer him would be a four-year deal for about $160 million. So factoring in that fifth year not being there, it's the difference of about $50 million, give or take. So it's unlikely Giannis will get the full 250. I'm not saying he's not worth it, but we've not seen a player make $50 million in the NBA every year yet. And given that the salary cap is going to be $109.8 million, something like that, especially when you have Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe already taking up $67 million in cap space, that would put them in a really weird situation where they're in luxury tax with just four players. So I think it's unlikely he makes the full 250, but he's going to make in that range of 220 to 250 over five years. So if he signs that Supermax extension, the oxygen is not sucked out of the room. Everything is fine. Milwaukee has five years to try to figure this out. If he doesn't sign that Supermax extension... Milwaukee needs to be very worried. (laughs) If you look at the history of superstars in this league, especially since LeBron's decision, players who are of that caliber do not like sticking around cities where it's unclear if they can win a championship. We saw this with Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City, where it was very clear that KD, he'd done a bunch of charity in the city. He was instrumental in lots of things there. He was beloved there. He made the finals there. He didn't win it, but he came close. They were always a top three team. But in the end, he decided, I have a more guaranteed shot of winning a championship if I go to the Golden State Warriors. So if Giannis comes into a situation again where 
they face Miami <laughs> or Toronto again or some team that's capable of guarding them in that same way. I'm not confident Milwaukee could make that championship run because that's been their problem where they win the most games in the NBA like they have the past two years. And then they come across a team in the playoffs that figures them out. Like the Miami Heat, if you rewatch those games from this last year, they had a strategy that agitated that Bucks team. They won the, uh, I believe, game four when Giannis went down. But as a whole, their strategy of have Giannis drive in and have him create for other guys, it works in the regular season. Like, there's no question. They win 60-plus games when they play a full 82-game slate. But in regards to the playoffs, we figured, like, we've found ways to stop that in terms of when you watch if you watch the 2018 Raptors series it's the same thing that happened Milwaukee wins the first two games and then Toronto figures out okay we're going to build a wall around the paint take that away from Giannis and the offense can still function and be decent but it's not as elite as it is in the regular season so <laughs> if Milwaukee stands pat I would not favor them to win a championship in the future because that's been their pattern of they win a bunch of games in the regular season, but it doesn't seem to ultimately matter. Coach Mike Budenholzer is notorious for this. In 2015, the Atlanta Hawks won 67 games. They had five All-Stars because Kyle Korver got the injury nod, and they were awesome to watch with Horford with Paul Millsap with Jeff Teague they were getting all of the baskets in the world during the regular season but then LeBron came in and <laughs> kind of destroyed that team and then the following year LeBron swept them again so I think Milwaukee has sort of hit their ceiling if they don't make any type of adjustments here now Giannis can do what he wants to do with the Supermax extension but it's pretty clear that when Chris Middleton is your second best player, Chris Middleton is a great player, by the way. He's an all-star. He's worthy of being an all-NBA guy. But when he's the second shot creator on a team, I don't know if that's good enough to win a championship. <laughs> Remember last year, uh, me, or not last year, last week, rather, me and Lucas Owens were on this program and we were talking a lot about some type of Chris Paul trade. And if they could get that type of guy, I would be willing to maybe say they could win a championship because even if they got like a Victor Oladipo or it's funny, I'd say Malcolm Brogdon, but they lost him via trade to Indiana recently. So it seems like that option's pretty closed. But if they could get that type of guy who can create and take some of the pressure off of Giannis so the defense can't just focus on him and take him out of the game. That would be amazing. If they don't change the roster, Giannis needs to add something to his game that is not just the barreling in the paint in the elite defense because Giannis is, Giannis is an excellent NBA player. He's one of the three best in the world. But if he doesn't have either the three-point shot that's consistent, he had it during times in the season, but we saw it completely go away in the postseason. Or he could do what LeBron did in 2012 and add an elite post game. If he did that, he could put his back to the basket and not be stopped on his drives because 
if you watch that Giannis Antetokounmpo drive into the lane, that dude is incredible. He gets there in two steps from the top of the three-point line. He's 6'11 and has, like, a four-foot vertical. Giannis is an insane athlete and can do all of these things, but if he could add an, something to his skill set, like that post game or like that three-point shot, that could also make the difference. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we'll know this year if the Milwaukee Bucks will win the championship just based off of their performance in the regular season. I think I'm going to want to see some different game plans, some new skill sets from Giannis or some type of move for me to think this team can win the championship. So we'll see what Giannis does. We'll know within the next three or four weeks if he resigns with that Supermax deal, but something has to change for that Milwaukee Bucks team to make it over the playoff hunt. That's for sure. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we will wrap up and talk a little bit more NBA stuff with the draft and with the trade market. You're listening to No Filler with Joe Miller on KCOU Sports 88.1 FM. Hello, everyone. We are back. Joe Miller here. You're listening to No Filler with Joe Miller on KCOU Sports 88.1 FM. So for being honest, this free agency class upcoming, it's pretty awful. I mean, at least compared to the next free agency class, because you're going to see guys like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, LeBron will be up again. Chris Paul will have the option. There's going to be a bunch of guys available next offseason that might make moves. This season, the current free agency market, you've got some interesting guys like Davis Bertans, Fred Van Fleet. Guys like Anthony Davis are probably going to resign with the Lakers. You have some pretty predictable things that I think are going to happen with free agents. So, Lots of NBA analysts have been pointing to the sought-after trade market as places where team could, teams could try to find guys to improve, considering the lack of guys available for free agents. So without further ado, we're going to go through some names and break down exactly when or if they're going to be traded. So starting with Chris Paul, I think the Oklahoma City Thunder are probably going to try to move off of him at some point within the next month and a half. This team fired Billy Donovan after probably the best coaching season of his career in the NBA, where he made some amazing three-guard lineups work with Chris Paul, with Dennis Schroeder, and with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. This team was not predicted to make the playoffs whatsoever, especially after trading... Russell Westbrook and trading away Paul George and this team overperformed. They pushed a Houston Rockets team to seven games in the playoffs. So unless they think they found a better guy in Oklahoma city, I think firing Donovan to let Donovan go to the Chicago bulls is a signal that Oklahoma city is going to try to develop their guys and trade away their assets to try to get better in the future, especially with the draft picks they have coming up. I would assume that's what they're going to do. So in regards to Chris Paul, the main issue with trading him is not that teams don't want him. It's that he makes a boatload of money. This man is making $40 million this season, and I believe $45 million next season. So for a team to trade for Chris Paul, this is also, by the way, why I was sort of ragging on Giannis, uh, 
taking the max contract because if you tried to get out of Milwaukee later via trade, it's just so hard to move these max contracts. So with Chris Paul, it's like Philly has displayed some interest. Same with Milwaukee. It just is going to depend on, again, like how well the Thunder do early in the season. Do the Thunder say like, okay, I guess we'll just run it back and try to make the playoffs again. I think that will be their option if they don't get any good enough offers for Chris Paul, but that contract is just very big and hard to trade. One reason I've been saying Philly is just because Philly has also signed a lot of big contracts with guys like Al Horford and Tobias Harris, so it's definitely foreseeable Philly could make it work, but a lot of the assets are still unclear there. So I'd say Chris Paul dealt by the deadline if the Thunder are not in the playoff picture. But if they're still in a playoff spot, if they're winning games, I think it would be tough for OKC to move off of him if they're not getting more than like a first-round pick. Like If they get packaged with first-round pick, a young asset, it would be pretty hard to turn that down. So that's the Chris Paul summary. Moving on, Bradley Beal is an interesting pick in the trade market because... I do not think the Wizards are going to be good this season. Like, John Wall is going to be healthy. They're going to have Rui Hachimura, huge piece. And we haven't seen the John Wall-Bradley Beal backcourt in, I believe, two years because of John Wall's injuries. So, theoretically, last time John Wall was healthy, this team made the playoffs. So, we'll see if they can, but... The East is going to have <laughs> a lot of teams in that eighth seed conversation with Billy Donovan, Chicago Bulls. And I mean, if if the if the Wizards really want to make the eighth seed, I see that as almost their ceiling because seven teams like seven teams above them with the Nets, the Pacers, the Heat, the Celtics, the Bucks, the the Raptors can't think of the seventh team on the top of my head, but I don't see this Wizards team being better than any of those teams I just listed. So Bradley Beal is not going to be dealt before the season starts, but if Washington starts losing games and is nowhere near the playoffs, I could see them maybe trying to blow up and trade Bradley Beal somewhere if they get a good offer. Okay, these two are an interesting package deal I'm about to get into. So Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green are interesting because we've seen flashes from both of those players. Obviously, Kyle Kuzma is younger, but Danny Green is a guy who's been on different championship teams with the Lakers, the Raptors, and the Spurs. He's kind of a hot commodity in terms of a guy who can shoot threes and play defense on the wing. Guys can never... <laughs> teams can never have enough of those guys. <laughs> like, that's sort of... <laughs> Remember the uh, Memphis Grizzlies in 2015 uh, being a fan there. They didn't have one of those guys. And I remember seeing Danny Green at that point. He was playing for the Spurs. And I just wish like, wow, if we had a guy like that who could hit threes on the perimeter. <laughs> having Watching an NBA team that can't shoot threes can be, uh, can be frustrating in today's NBA. But moving on, I think that with Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green, it just depends on if the Lakers can get some short-term assets in return, assets that will help them win, because Kyle Kuzma especially is sort of like the eighth or ninth guy on that team. And 
We saw with the uh, Pelicans trade when they acquired Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma did have value at that point. I think that value has gone down a little bit since this season started because he was not really consistently that third guy for the Lakers. He showed flashes of that at times, but he showed up to the season. He was injured, so he didn't play the first 15 games. So, but no, I think you could still sell some teams on Kyle Kuzma because this will be his fourth season. He's only about 26 years old, and he can he can make plays on offense. He's not a great defender, but I think teams would still like to have Kyle Kuzma or Danny Green. So, okay, moving on, the next two guys available on the trade market are also dependent on if the team wants to win this season or if they're winning by the, I guess we don't know if there's going to be an all-star break, but by the deadline for trades at least. So Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick are both members of the New Orleans Pelicans, and they're interesting fits because J.J. Redick is in his 30s. Drew Holiday is, I believe, 29 years old. So these guys are getting up there, and <laughs> Pelicans, I believe, have seven players under 21 on their team with Zion and I guess, no, I think it's 25, not 21. But still, Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick do not fit the timeline of this team long-term. And a guy like Drew Holiday is very sought out for in the trade market. The Bucks would be really interested in getting this guy. So would the Clippers. The Lakers, I don't know if they'd want to get that contract. I think that would hold them up. But a lot of the top contenders who would want an extra perimeter defender or secondary playmaker. Drew Holiday could definitely get the Pelicans some assets. Same with J.J. Redick. Like I said with Danny Green, every team wants to have these shooting guards who can shoot threes and every now and then create offense, but mainly they're there for floor spacing. So J.J. Redick it, and Drew Holiday, it depends on... If the Pelicans are fighting for the playoff picture, Western Conference is very hard. So I think it's just very situational where if the Pelicans are in that 8th, ninth seed, even 10th seed range, I don't know if they would trade them away. But if they're in that 11th, 12th range, Brandon Ingram and Zion aren't gelling well, I could see them trying to slow down the timeline, try to get some young pieces back, get some picks and keep rebuilding slowly with the core they have. So <laughs> this next one might be controversial. James Harden has been rumored to be <laughs> a target of suggestions by basketball president of operations for the Sixers, Daryl Morey, who was formerly the basketball president of operations for the Houston Rockets. So James Harden is, even if you don't love the guy for what some people think he flops too much. Some people think he takes too many threes and doesn't take enough mid-range shots. James Harden is one of the best players in the NBA, hands down. Probably one of the 10 best like offensive players of all time, no doubt. He's won the MVP. Probably could have won more than one MVP, depending on who you ask. <laughs> I would definitely make the case for the 2017 MVP also being James Harden's and not Russell Westbrook's, but I don't want to get off on that tangent right now. <laughs> but... With a guy like James Harden, we're going to have to see with the Houston Rockets if this team is in the seventh, sixth seed conversation because it's hard for me to imagine a team, however flawed it might be, with James Harden and Russell Westbrook not making the playoffs. You have two MVPs there. Even if 
Russell Westbrook is not the most efficient player. He doesn't get all the numbers. They're going to win in the upper 40s of games. So if they're in the playoffs, I really doubt that they'll try to blow it up. I, I mean, it depends on if the owner thinks that he would be saving money by doing that. That's a definitely a factor there, but it's hard for me to imagine the Houston Rockets giving up on Harden right now. I mean, I think the title window is sort of closed right now. I think Houston could make moves in the future to try to get there, but as of right now, I think their best moves should be they stand pat, they win some games next season, and teams are still going to want Harden down the road. I don't see his value like plummeting after next season, so I think their moves should be just stand pat and not trade James Harden, but if Philly is offering a full war chest like Ben Simmons, a bunch of picks, maybe Josh Richardson, I would look into it then. But if they're not giving like a huge war chest like that, I doubt James Harden is going to get moved. So the last guy we're going to discuss before we get to break is Victor Oladipo, the Indiana Pacers. So <laughs> many of you probably don't watch the Indiana Pacers, but... They consistently finish in the fifth, fourth seed of the Eastern Conference. They're always in the conversation for winning a first-round series. They have a bunch of all-star guys like DeMontis Sabanis. Miles Turner's a great player. Victor Oladipo was an all-star. This team has a lot of talent on it, but there's been reports that Oladipo is considering a trade or trying to figure out his way out of Indiana. I don't think he means by, like, brute force. I don't think we're going to see, like, Escape from Indianapolis, like a uh, Kurt Russell movie. <laughs> but could be surprised. But with Victor Oladipo, it ultimately depends on if a team is willing to give up a lot to get him. Because last season, at the end, he did not perform very well. A lot of this was because he was rushed off of an injury. So... I'm not going to fully fault Victor Oladipo for that, but that will concern teams who are trying to trade for him, considering seasons before, he was an all-star, all-defensive teams. He can create his shot. He can also play off-ball. His two seasons in Indiana prior to this last one were superb or excellent. So I hope Oladipo can rediscover that groove, but... I would totally understand if teams think that's a risk trading for. So, folks, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA draft before we go. But for that, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to No Filler with Joe Miller on KCOU Sports 88.1 FM. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to No Filler with Joe Miller. It is your host, Joe Miller. Before we get out of here, I need to talk about the NBA draft. It's a little less than two weeks away, finally. So... We get a feeling of who the Timberwolves are going to take, who the Warriors are going to take, and who the Charlotte Hornets are going to take as far as the top three. This draft definitely doesn't have a consensus number one pick like we've talked in the past few weeks, but as of now, most NBA mock drafts that I've followed has sort of a consensus top three as LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards. Those three players in some order. James Wiseman will probably not be in that number one pick conversation just because 
the Minnesota Timberwolves have Carl Anthony Towns, who's one of the best offensive centers in basketball. So it's very unlikely that Minnesota would draft a seven foot one, 240 center who could not play the power forward position, would basically be the rim runner in that same role Cat is already in. So James Wiseman could go to the Warriors at two or three, but it's doubtful he goes number one. I'd say if the Minnesota Timberwolves and Golden State Warriors are obviously still, I'd say, not super attached to these picks. Like, I could see either of those teams trading. But if the Timberwolves do retain the number one pick, LaMelo Ball is probably who they will draft. I think there's an outside shot of them drafting Anthony Edwards, but I'd say there's zero chance of them drafting Wiseman. Probably around a 75% chance they draft LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball is not a perfect fit for the Minnesota Timberwolves. They have D'Angelo Russell, who fills a similar shot-creating point guard role, and LaMelo Ball has that sort of archetype of a guy who can get assists, who can rebound, who can score and create for his other teammates. So it's possible the Timberwolves don't want to take LaMelo Ball, but of all of these other prospects, LaMelo Ball has a lot of upside. Similar to his brother Lonzo, he's a guy who is physically very gifted at 6'7 and can play the point guard position. He doesn't have as much muscle as some people would like him to have, but he's 6'7 and he plays point guard, so I'm not sure how much that's going to matter. And the issue he has, of course, is like his shot release, similarly to his brother, but it, it would be surprising to me if LaMelo Ball falls outside of the top three. So in regards to the Golden State Warriors with their pick, I think this will be an interesting dilemma because there's been lots of people reporting that they've wanted to draft James Wiseman. Some people have been saying it's likely they'll draft Anthony Edwards. It's even been floating that they'd want to draft a guy like Denny of Diha, who would fit very well into their system. Denny of is a 6'10 wing out of Israel. He's very good at passing. He can score off ball. And he'd fit right into the Warriors' culture of passing the ball, trying to get the open shot. So it's possible they could try to take a guy who might be consensus fourth or five with that second pick. But I'm going to say they take Anthony Edwards because. Anthony Edwards is 6'5", 225. He plays the shooting guard position. He has problems playmaking, admittedly. But in terms of scoring on the pick and roll, scoring in transition, this guy's incredible. He needs to improve his three-point shooting, improve his playmaking, and he hasn't shown flashes on defense, admittedly. (laughs) He needs to put more effort in on that side of the floor, but Anthony Edwards is a remarkable scoring talent. And considering he's 6'5", 225, it's easy to imagine he could become a good defender one day. I would take Anthony Edwards if I'm the Golden State Warriors with that number two pick. And I think by the time it gets to Charlotte with number three, I think they're going to take James Wiseman solely based off of upside. I like other guys like Obi Toppin in the draft and Tyrese Halliburton and Denny of Deha, but I think James Wiseman as a consensus, has the highest upside, considering he's 7'1", 240 pounds, and he, admittedly, it's a small 
small sample size. We only saw him play three games at Memphis, but with with those measurements, it's easy to see this guy, even if he doesn't develop his offensive skill set besides just being a rim runner like Clint Capella, he's still going to be great. Like He's still going to have an impact and get minutes on the floor. So I think Charlotte will take a guy like James Wiseman who has that upside. We'll see moving forward what happens because the trade moratorium has not been lifted yet in the NBA, so teams can't trade down even if they want to right now. So we'll get more details on that probably by next week. But until then, that is the consensus top three with the draft. And next week, we'll definitely be talking about that more. But running out of time with the show. So thank you, everyone, for coming on. Thank you for listening. And tune in next week to No Filler. We'll have lots of great draft content. I'm your host, Joe Miller, and thank you all for watching. Mm -hmm.